You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Healthy and alive. That's good, because uh, we're going to talk about some Oklahoma health care today. So that's, mm. uh, that's going uh, to be a good topic to cover. I'm doing fine. Thank you. All right. So let's start with Chaz, right? We like to start with Chaz, mm-hmm. or, or excuse me, CHOP. We, we like to start with CHOP. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seattle's Capitol Hill organized protest zone, right? CHOP. We got a new shooting in there, don't we? Well, we did. We had a new mm-hmm. one. So we're up to four people dead that we know of now. Four people. Yeah, I believe four, four or five, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. It's difficult okay. to lose track that we know of. Indeed. Okay. So, uh, but hey, you know, it's a people's paradise in there. You know, I mean, they're they're really trying here. Those are those are the progressive leaders of our time. One man's dead, another one's wounded following a gun battle in Seattle's mm-hmm. chop zone after two men plowed their jeep into an area and started shooting. But armed protest. I love this. Armed protesters fired back. How are you a protester if you're armed? How, how does that even work? We have the right well, in mean, America to peaceably assemble. <laughs> Go on. Well, it, I, it's okay to be a protester and be armed, right? Because we've seen that with at the governor. What was it? Yeah, okay. All right, the, fine. We, they just had the gun protest. It was it Ohio or something? Anyway. Virginia. Whatever. Virginia. Uh, well, there was the other one as well for the lockdown. Yes, they but had the, the, the people show up. But yeah. But that was that. I mean, yeah, but that was a protest, though. That was a real protest. That wasn't the seizure yeah. of eight city blocks. Right. Right. That's where that's the big difference here. And the thing about this one is the kind of what is his name? Raz, the the self yes, the warlord proclaimed war lead, warlord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he, he's what, he, he's not proclaimed himself as a warlord. That's what the media is calling him. That's what Trump's calling him. They're calling oh, him a warlord. Right. Right. OK. Well, he's he's running with that title. Nonetheless, he was seen handing out firearms to people that weren't of legal age. Right. And or know how the. the a, a crime. Yeah, or know how. I don't know if you've seen that video when they he gave him I the did. freaking he AR. Trying to drop the mag, and the kid is like, <laughs> "Oh my yeah. god!" Yeah, that even was, the yeah. even the even the idiots that were standing around him were going, "Oh my god, get! We should not do this." <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they were saying that and like you know, watch where you're pointing the barrel and all that kind of stuff because he was flailing around. Yeah, it was it was not pretty. I don't know how they managed to not shoot somebody there, but anyway, these are the type of people that have firearms there and. They're the ones that returned fire on this Jeep that, quote unquote, plowed through their barricade. Police said the deadly shooting unfolded just before dawn on Monday in Seattle's Capitol Hill. OK, so it was early this morning. Witnesses say the men plowed their white Jeep to the open and opened fire on the protesters. So, OK, what what was their objective here? What, what are they trying to do? I, I don't understand. Like, what was the purpose of this? I don't know. Those acting as CHOP security returned fire and struck both the driver and the passengers, according to witnesses. One of the wounded men was taken to the hospital in a private vehicle, and the second was brought in by Seattle Fire Department medics. The man brought in by medics died several hours later, and the other remains in critical condition. Mm -hmm. Uh, Detectives were saying that they searched the vehicle for evidence uh, Monday morning, but said in a statement that it was clear the crime scene had been disturbed. I wonder if there's going to be any security footage released on this. 
Well, that I don't know because we saw the one security footage of the uh, the shooting that took place in the early on early onset of of what was going on in Chop. But members of Chop Security, I I love this. Do they have actual badges? Are they licensed? Are they licensed security officers of of Chop? Is that how that works? Have they been appointed by uh, by the warlord himself? Members of Chop Security Mm -hmm. openly carry around pistols and other weapons. One member has previously been seen brandishing an AK forty seven. In a previous fatal shooting in the zone, a 19-year-old man was killed on June 20th, and a 33-year-old man was wounded. That's, I think that was the last one, wasn't it? I believe so, yeah. God. Interesting. These, um, these, okay. These guards, these guards are also guilty of uh, shaking down businesses and demanding cash for entering the zone. Well, we know that they're extorting businesses, right? That's been one of the early onset right. things. We, we know they've been doing that. So it says here that Trump has threatened to dismantle money. the zone with, yeah, Trump has threatened to dismantle the zone with the help of federal forces. Uh, I mean, okay, people are dying in there, all right? Like, this is enough. Enough is enough. I, I understand that this is a political football and this is this is how it's going. Where, where's the mayor? Where's the mayor? We've been hearing for a week now that this is going to be shut down. And you're telling me that there's only a few dozen people left in there. So where's the push to actually go in and have this shut down? Where, where's that? I mean, we're hearing the talk, the nice talk. But where is it? People are getting shot. And I, I don't even see the point of this. Trump, let me see. Encampment is hailed by supporters as an ideal society. Oh, yes, it's an ideal society. All right. Uh, mm. Where people help each other with food, and medical care. Yeah, we see how well that's working out. But it's been derided by right. President Donald Trump as the home of thugs and anarchists. It is. It is. We talked yesterday about juvenile delinquency. If you become a juvenile delinquent, this is where you end up. That, that's where you end up. Where's the mayor on action? We're hearing talk. Where's the mayor on action? Have they said anything else about that? I haven't seen anything else. I, I just heard that they were talking about going in and retaking it. And, and from there, I haven't seen anything else on this. It's been pretty quiet about uh, on that in that regard. All right. So moving right along, you say that there are businesses in there now, which they've been extorted or they're, they're in the process of continuing to be extorted by these uh, these mm-hmm. so-called security people. So you're saying that the businesses have now filed a lawsuit. Now, who have they filed that lawsuit against and what are they asking for? So it's the businesses and the property owners. They're um, filing a lawsuit against uh, the city in regards to um, allowing chop to exist what they're asking in return i'm sure some kind of compensation well the fact is is okay the the businesses are not wrong here but i mean someone's gonna have to do something i mean right now like i said we're looking at essentially this is like a mexican standoff it's like you have a political football being played and anarchists are in the middle of it and they're being enabled by people in government organizations like in city official levels you know the mayor Right. The mayor's on board with this. She wants to see this. The city council out there, they could care less. The governor, he could care less. He was told about it in the initial stages. And he says, oh, I haven't heard anything about it. Two days, two days went by. He didn't hear anything about it. The fact is, is businesses are going to have to do something. They're going to have to to fight it in the courts. But then again, is that even going to do any good? Because we know which way the courts go most of the time. So if the courts don't side with the businesses, that get pushed back on with the states and the cities, well, then there's nothing actually being done there. The businesses want this to stop. The residents in Seattle, in downtown Seattle, in this area, what what about them? What are what are they supposed to do? They're being held hostage in their own cities. Mm-hmm. They're, they're being held hostage in their own city. How in the hell does any of this make sense? It's got to be shut down. Let me put this another way. If you had a governor that was against what was going on in, in downtown Seattle, 
and you had a mayor that was for it, the governor would step in, send in the National Guard and shut down the mayor. That's what would happen if you had somebody that was actually against that. But you don't have that. You have two idiots that are on board with what's actually happening. They want the anarchy. They want the chaos. They want the disorder in society. They want thugs roaming the streets. That's what they want. Clearly, that's what they want because they're enabling this on top of it, giving them bathroom facilities, sending in all kinds of services, giving them medical supplies. You said it early on, Bruce, if they want to, quote, secede from the U.S., okay, they put borders up, so don't trade with them. Seal it off. Mm -hmm. Technically, it's still the United States outside of there. Send in the National Guard and just don't let anyone in or out. How about that? (laughs) You just starve them out. Yeah, blockade. But then again, what of the what of the residents in there? What of the businesses in there? You know, what what of them? So it's a complicated situation. But see, they again, it's a political football. And here's the worst part about it. The community is the one that suffers over this. The ones that are downtown, the ones that are stuck in there, the residents that are stuck in there that have been abandoned by their legislators. They're the real victims here. And so what of them? Right. What of them? Let me ask you this. Do you think the average voter in Seattle, do you think they're you think they are going to have something to say differently when it comes time to the polls uh, to to go to the polls in November? Do you think they're going to throw these bums out that are in these offices? Now, this is the question, because I've said historically, people go one of two ways. Do they wake up to what's happening or do they get further into the denial and get down into that sense of becoming a supportive of that cause and becoming an enabler simply because it doesn't happen in their neighborhood? Now, see, I can tell you right now, the people that I've heard from, the ones that have that have given statements to media outlets and things like that, the ones that I've heard, I don't know if you've heard any of those interviews or not, or any of those phone calls from people that are actually living in there, residents that are actually living in there that are scared to death. Mm-hmm. They are certainly the ones that are going to be voting against the people that are in the offices that are allowing this to continue. They're certainly going to be voting against that. But is the general public on the outside of that, are they going to be able to see the light? Because I'm not so sure they will. I'm not, I'm not so sure they will. What do you think? I really don't know. I, I know as far as the average American is concerned, yeah, I think they see what's going on and think it's terrible. But the average voter in that state, I I, I don't know, honestly. The, the, are they being sucked into the idea of they're just protesting because police brutality is so bad and racism is so bad? So if they're willing to go to these links, then it must be really bad. And uh, part of me feels like that might be the, the, the direction they lean more so than the um, than the seeing the light. OK, it says here that which I agree with you, by the way. I mean, it's it's hard to say because, like I said, people go one of two ways. They get further into it or they finally come out of it. And usually, usually. When you have somebody that's that far in the state of denial, they don't get it. They just don't get it until they're put in that position where they have to get it. As in example, like I said, if they're one of these people that actually live in there, you know, one of the residents that actually live in there that have to put up with the armed gangs on the streets, having their food stolen when someone tries to have food delivered to their place, you know, that kind of stuff. So it says here that the the city of Seattle mayor, uh, Jenny Durkin, made efforts to dismantle CHOP last week. Apparently, she made efforts. There's progress there, right? There's progress. Officials had to turn back when a protester laid down in the street to block Seattle Department of Transportation crews and heavy machinery from removing the barricades of the occupied zone. So one guy, like it's Tiananmen Square, lays down in the streets in front of heavy machinery coming through. He's got a bucket on the front of that, that end loader. Scoop him up. 
Scoop him up. Where's the police? Send the police in there, cuff this bum up, throw him in the back of a cruiser, run him downtown and shut it down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. That, that should oh. not have been. A, he should not have been able to slow him down. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. He's got an inloader on the front of that thing. Just grab him up. Right. <laughs> grab him up. Have the police come in there. If you're going to shut it down, if you're sincere about shutting it down, then you have the police come in there. Full tack gear. Rubber bullets, tear gas, water cannons, you name it, tasers, all of it, right? Non-lethal, okay? You go in there, you shut it down. You shut it down. And you haul all their sorry behinds to jail. That's what you do. And you charge them with domestic terrorism. Protesters, my left foot. All right. Let's get to the Supreme Court. Uh, They've done it again, haven't they? Well, excuse me. John Roberts has done it again. He sided with the uh, the liberals. Okay, so what's happened at the Supreme Court? What what's going on now? This is the abortion thing that we were talking last week. It's something about the uh, the Louisiana abortion clinic law. I don't even know what it's about. All I know is that they're making a big media storm out of it. So so what is it? Yeah. So um, you know the the Supreme Court that was so right wing. You know they were going to overturn Roe v. Wade. Yeah. So Louisiana had a more or less they passed a law that said if you're a doctor in an abortion clinic, you have to be like a part of a hospital or something like you had to have clearance to send people there or you would admit people there at at the local hospital. And, you know, it, it just basically put a little bit more regulation on that. And obviously that threw everything in a, you know, that got all the abortion activists um, in a tizzy and, you know, yeah. Okay, so uh, let me see. So divided Supreme Court on Monday struck down a Louisiana law regulating abortion clinics, uh, reassessing the commitment to abortion rights over fierce opposition from dissenting conservative justices in the first big abortion case, Trump era. Yeah, okay. John Roberts and his four more liberal colleagues ruled the requiring doctors or law requiring doctors who perform abortions to have admitting privileges at a nearby hospital violates abortion rights court first announced the landmark in the landmark Roe v. Wade decision in 1973. Okay, so what what are they going to do next then? It says the outcome's not the last word on decades-long fight for abortion. So wh- what are they going to do next then? What what's their next move here? No idea. They just shot that law down and from there I don't I don't know what else they can do. It pretty much legalized. I mean, they're unrestricted more or less abortion across the nation. That's that's basically what what it is now. Okay, let me ask you this hypothetically, hypothetically, because we've had Roe v. Wade since the 70s, right? Since 73. That's been there. That precedent's been set. Mm -hmm. Let's say, let's just say for the sake of argument here that they pack the Supreme Court and that makes Roberts irrelevant here, right? Because Ginsburg's going to go away. She doesn't have much time left. She has pancreatic cancer. She's not going to make it much longer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, Kennedy's already gone. You've got got Gorsuch and uh, Kavanaugh that have been on. So Trump's going to get another appointment, probably. I believe they're holding on. I believe Ginsburg is holding on until the election, because if Trump doesn't make it, then obviously, you know, they'll get a Supreme Court justice in there. But the last thing they want is another Senate confirmation of somebody that could be a so-called conservative on the Supreme Court. But let's just say for the sake of argument that Trump gets another appointment. Okay, if they overturn, let's say that they try to overturn Roe v. Wade. What's that going to do to the already radical, out of control left wing in the United States? What's that going to do to them? Is that going to set them off? Uh, I mean, it'd set them off even more. Yeah. And it would force the clinics themselves to obviously by law, they'd have to be shut down. So it goes back to back alley uh, abortion clinics like they were back in the 60s. Is that is that what we would probably end up dealing with? That's the argument I'm hearing. But 
you know, there's so many different ways of, you know, free contraception and, you know, it just, there, there's so many other, this argument is really difficult for me because I've heard the arguments of that and it sounds really bad, but at the same time, our culture is what's been screwed up and our value of life has been diminished. So yeah, it's a, it's a it, tough it, argument it, to have. Yeah. That's why we kind of said in the beginning of this thing, we're like, you know what? We probably don't want to jump into that because there's so many ways that you can go with it because we have all these different opinions on here and everyone has their own way of looking at it. But it's also it's it's a very volatile topic for a certain political uh, fringe element. Well, this is this is what makes it difficult for me. I'm a libertarian or, or you know, classic liberal. You live your life. I'll live mine. As long as you don't hurt anybody, I have no problems. As long as you don't infringe on other people's rights, I don't have any problems. Those two are being violated with abortion. So it's a really difficult topic for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the same way on it. You know, I, I'm a libertarian. I, I, do whatever you want to do. Just don't come over my fence. Right. Kind of, kind of thing. Um, right. And don't kill people like that. That's where mm -hmm. I'm at on it. I got no room in my empathy for people that do harm to others. Right. That, that's where I'm at on it. My empathy kind of ends right there. But anyway, OK. Anything else on the abortion thing you want to you want to talk on? Like anything on the Supreme Court? No, I, I got my sarcasm out of the way. The left crying. <laughs> Here's the thing. If Trump does get to appoint someone else to the Supreme Court, you know it's going to be another uh, Kavanaugh. It's just going to be long, drawn out BS arguments or claims that, oh, they sexually harassed or blackface or he said something that was offensive or whatever. And they'll yeah. drag this out and try to make it a big deal again. And yeah. I, I honestly, you know what? I don't care. I, I really don't care. You know what I want, honestly, if we can, we can we I know we have cloning laws. Can, can we kind of can we possibly like can we clone and bring to, to age? Can we clone Clarence Thomas, the age of like 25 and just stick him on the Supreme Court? Can we can we do that? Can we get another Clarence Thomas up there, please? Because like he's obviously, you know where he's at. The guys that died in the woke conservative. So, mm -hmm. I mean, can, can we just get can we get another Clarence Thomas up there? All right. Is that possible? Can we get another uh, late great Antonin Scalia type? Can, can we do that? Is that even possible? Can we stop picking these moderates? Can, can we stop doing that? We have a real shot at shoring up the Supreme Court here for 50 years. And when I say shoring up the Supreme Court, I'm not talking politics. The problem is the Supreme Court has turned into politics. The Supreme Court of the United States is to safeguard our most valuable document, and that is the Constitution. That's their job. They're supposed to keep the politics out of it. And they don't. I want people on the Supreme Court that actually have a vested interest in keeping the Constitution protected. That's what I want. Yeah. And not concerned about their own um, their own image, their legacy, uh, like Roberts, for example. Well, I'll tell you something. His legacy means absolutely nothing to me. Right. Means nothing to me. When he made that decision, when he made that decision on uh, Obamacare. See you later. See you later. All right. That, that's where I knew that he was going to be turncoat for the rest of his days. That's when I knew. So everything's a political lens now and it's disgusting. So they need to do something else. And you know something? While we're at it, I mean, let's just talk since we're on the Supreme Court. Let's talk this for a second. Term limits on the Supreme Court. Yes or no? Term limits on every political office, every every office in government. There should be a term limit of some kind. That's my do you opinion. Keep the and that includes yeah, okay. Supreme. Yeah. OK. So do you keep the Supreme Court? an appointed position or do you make it an elected position? Do, do you do that if you put term limits on it? Because that's an interesting question. Stay appointed. I, I don't want to see. OK, so the Senate 
was supposed to be representing the state governments. And it was supposed they were supposed to be appointed by the state. Your representative would vote on the Senate, right? So that's how it used to be. The Dems changed that. Now it's a national thing. I know it's at state level, but everybody gets involved in it now. And it's all this big deal. I don't like that. I want it to go back to your representative as the person is the House. The state has its own representative, the Senate. And then, you know, their focus is what's best for their state. And I, I would like to see that again. That was a good system, a well-balanced system. You would have, you know, both parties are represented there. But this is where we're at now. You know, I also like the way that we used to have our presidential election. And by that, I mean, we used to have it set where the electoral system, they would vote on the candidates. You wouldn't have a VP candidate. You wouldn't have that. It would be whoever would get the most electoral votes. This is early days. Whenever you would get the most or whoever would get the most electoral votes, they would become the president. Whoever would get the second most electoral votes, whoever would be the runner up, that would be the vice president. So you wouldn't really have like the parties were out of it. There was no point to it. So you had to deal with whoever the runner up was. And that's how it was. I, honestly, I, I don't see why that's a big problem. I don't, I don't see. But most people don't realize that that's, you know, our system changed. Our, our election system actually changed when it came to picking the president. So I, I don't see the problem. As a matter of fact, I think it would make it really interesting. I mean, can you imagine if you had, say, um, well, in this <laughs> in, in the last case, you would have oh, this would have been terrible. You would have had Barack Obama as the president. You would have had Mitt Romney as the vice and then before that, you would have had Barack Obama and then John McCain. So maybe that wouldn't have been so good. Yeah, but at the same time, Bush Sr., you would have had Clinton as the president and Bush Sr. as the vice, as an example. So true, true. In that scenario, they, they kind of balance each other out in a sense. I, I personally kind of like that, that sort of a system. Um, I, I think that would be it would it would cause an interesting dynamic. And if we would have continued that policy it may have changed things. Things may not have progressed as quickly as they have um, towards the negative as far as what the progressives wanted. Mm-hmm. No, it's an interesting point. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, honestly, maybe that maybe that would make it interesting on the other side of this thing. You know what I mean? Who knows? Mm-hmm. Since we're hypothesizing real quick, let me, let me throw one at you. This one's I've heard argued and I, I actually kind of like it. What about for voting, for example, for president? Let's say it's a tiered vote, right? So like your number one pick is, you know, let's say Trump, and then your number two pick will be whoever, right? And then you just go down the tiers of, of how many candidates are, that you want to do, like your top five or whatever. And if your top candidate isn't the one that, you know, if they drop out or they're not selected or the main vote doesn't go to them, then your vote would go for the other one. You get what I'm saying? Would you, would you be for something like that? Possibly. Yeah, uh, possibly I would. I like the idea of, of multiple candidates on the ticket. I, I don't like just mm-hmm. being able to pick between one t- one of two evils. You know, I, I don't like that. Right. I believe uh, I made this statement earlier in the week and last week. I said, I've always been a split ticket voter. Always. So party affiliation doesn't really mean a whole lot to me because I, I look at somebody based on what they represent, what their ideas are. So I would be more inclined to take some form of of what you just talked about, like a tiered system, possibly. But when you do that, you also run the risk of getting into, you know, and I've talked about the dangers of direct democracy before and how that can be manipulated and and how that turns into. Well, I mean, we know that democracies there. It's something at least it's something right. At least it's some kind of a 
uh, of a, for- a representative form of government in some ways. But it's that way as long as you can keep it in check. But democracies are very dangerous at the same time. So you have to. That's why the that's why the constitutional republics and federal republics are the way to go, because it doesn't allow one party to become more powerful than than the other, supposedly. So I I like the idea that you're talking about. But at the same time, if you go that way, you know how certain elements in the political system are going to interpret that they're going to take it as a direct democracy type of rule. And they're going to try and transform the system as such. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, that's that's definitely what they'll. Yeah. So, yes, I'm with you on it. I'm with you on it. But if we can reference back to yesterday when I talked about having a moral and just society, if we can keep people in society moral and just, then that system would work. It would work. But the problem is, is with the current amount of political corruption in America, that does not work. (laughs) I'm sorry to say it does not work. So but yes, I would be entertained to that particular suggestion. Yes, I do like the idea because, again, I I look at somebody based on what they represent, what they stand for. I don't care about politics, party politics. I don't care about that stuff. So I I want somebody based on what they stand for. You know, I I've voted for Democrats all my life, you know, all my voting life. I voted for Democrats. I voted for Republicans. I voted for independents. I voted for libertarians. Hell, I even think I voted for a Green Party candidate one time, not not on a national level, not like not like Ralph Nader or something. But I look at at a candidate, whoever it is, based on their policies. The guy that represented my district in my city council was a Democrat. He he ran that district all his days, right? All his uh, all his most of his adult life. And you know something? He was you know small town. He was good friend of the family. You know, my family was friends with his family. And, and he represented us right. But he was a classic Democrat. You know, he, he was the classic Democrat type. He wasn't the, the, the modern thing. And I remember the last time I spoke to him that and he, he since passed away now. It's, it's a it's a damn shame. But I remember I spoke to him the last time I was in the States and I said he was still on the council at the time. And I said because he's been he'd been there you know, most of his adult life. And I said, I said, how are things going at the uh, at the city council? And He says, not good. And I said, well, why is that? And he says, you've got about two or three people that are trying to run the whole thing. So, see, even at the local level, even at the local level, you've got people that want to consolidate and centralize power. So it's yeah, it's it's just it's really sad. Okay, Amazon. Right. Amazon. Now, see, this is the other part of this. The mobs in the streets, the looters, the rioters. You know, of course, they're not responsible for for covid spreading. Right. They're not responsible for that. No, no, no. Because they're peaceful protesters and they're, they're out there for a just cause because and they're promoting unity, according to Speaker Pelosi. One of the companies that's funding those riots in the streets is Amazon. They're paying for their cause. They're supporting their cause openly. And of course, Jeff Bezos, the head of it. Okay, what are these activists now done? They've set up a guillotine in front of his D.C. home. And they're calling for Amazon to be abolished. What in the world did I say? What have I been saying? The mobs will come for you. They always do. You cannot, and I'll say this again, I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, you cannot make a deal with this. These are not the deal-making types. They're out there calling for an end to our free market system. They're calling for an end to capitalism. The system that has given companies like Amazon the chance to become what they are, they want an end to that. Do you seriously think that they're not going to come for people like Bezos? That He can't be that stupid. He's a smart, intelligent man. He can't be that stupid. I mean, th- this is the, the people that are doing this, right? Uh, the ones that are in front 
they're Marxists. Right. I don't know that Bezos is Marxist. Is he? Is he more of a progressive or a Marxist? I, I know he's honestly, left-leaning. I just don't know. Yeah, he is, he is left-leaning. But see, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing. These companies, it's hard to say. It's really hard to say because when you look at people like Bezos, you look at people like uh, Gates, you look at people like Zuckerberg and the rest of them, they espouse the radical left ideology and the support simply because they think that it'll keep the mobs off of their doorstep. Same thing with Pelosi. Pelosi's out there all day talking about all oh, the poor this, the poor that, while she's got $25,000 freezers full of ice cream that cost $12 a pint, right? Right. So they, they don't actually, my, my point is, is they don't actually believe this stuff. It's the same thing when Adam Carolla comes out and he talks about the people that are apologizing, the celebrities and things that are apologizing. They don't actually mean it, but they're doing it because their livelihood's being threatened. And so they get on board with whatever message that is. So they think that somehow the mob's going to spare them. And it's not. It, it never does. Historically, it never does. You can go along and you can appease only so long. Ask Neville Chamberlain of the United Kingdom how well that worked for him. And how, how well that worked for the Brits when he tried to appease Hitler. It just it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. It just does not happen. And it's the same thing here. When you're talking about markets, and you're talking about activists in the streets, you're talking about mobs. Look at the French Revolution. Same thing. Guillotine the rich. Right. Off with their heads. And it came down to mm-hmm. Jacques. Right. Jacques. It was just being accused of being uh, some, somebody would would yell. Um, that's where we actually get in English. That's where they get the word accused, because you just accuse someone of something and it's hearsay. And so they get on board with it. So by then, it it does. It does. And see, here's the thing. There's no redemption in the system. None. Mm -hmm. There's there's no redemption in this. See, in classical totalitarianism over the last hundred years, if you screwed up, if you had a falling out with the party or, you know, the ruling regime or ruling class or whatever it was. Yeah, you got stripped of your your party authority and you got sent off to a gulag for about six to eight months to learn the error of your ways. But when you came out after you did your time in exile, well, you were you were redeemed, comrade. You were welcomed back into the fold. But see, with this, it's not that it's not that once you're hit by the mob, you're doxxed. You're th- I mean, and we see it now. People are being thrown out of their jobs. They're losing their jobs. There's no coming back from this. It's a cancel culture. When you're out, you're out. Look at Kevin Spacey, right? It started out as just accusations. It goes to court. The whole thing falls apart. It's too late. The damage is done. His career is over. He's finished. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Harvey Weinstein. With Harvey Weinstein. Weinstein, that was something different. They had him on tape, right? They had him on tape and all that led to other things. Now, did it turn into this big spectacle that they had in the courtrooms? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if any of that's true or not. It's hard to say. But that's that was the whole, you know, the Me Too thing and, and they're under oath. And that's all that's for a prosecutor and a jury to decide, not for me. So that right. that's why people have their days in court. But the thing is, is that when you're out on this, you're out, you're done. And not only that, they will vilify you. They'll dox you. They'll have you thrown out of your job for doing things that are completely irrelevant to whatever it is, just because the mob comes for you and you don't toe the line. So with Bezos, it's hard to say, you know, that I got a quote here from one of them. It says it's still exploitation. And when they become threatened and we have no voice, the knives come out. You hear this? The guillotine was set up in front of Bezos' house, had a sign on the front of it that stated, support our poor communities, not our wealthy men. The group that was out there in front of his house is, they actually call themselves, abolish the present, reconstruct our future. That's the name of the group. Uh, And this is what they advertised on Twitter, I might add. They say, it's an uprising and we're taking it to our neighbor, Jeff Bezos' house. Uh, A march on Jeff Bezos' house, Sunday, the 28th, which was yesterday, 4 to 8 p.m., 
Amazon works directly with police to surveil us, stoking racist fears in the name of profit, doubling down on their union busting and mistreatment of workers. Amazon fired and racially slandered labor organizer Chris Smalls. Join us at Jeff Bezos' house. Enough is enough. End the abuse and profiteering. Abolish the police, the prisons, and Amazon. You hear this? So, as I said, the mobs will come for you. You cannot appease them. You cannot make a deal with them. They're not interested in it. Corporations, corporations historically will go either way. We've talked about the checkered past that a lot of uh, corporations have had. Companies like Volkswagen, Hugo Boss, Bayer, right? Just to name a few. These corporations of today are no different. They're the same. They're jumping on board with totalitarian rule. Look what these corporations are doing with social media companies. They're pulling their ads because they say that the social media companies that are, by the way, the public square of our time, they're saying that they're not going far enough. So what is enough? They think by appeasing the social media mobs and the social media moguls like Zuckerberg, that by pressuring them, that that will further keep the mobs off of their doors. Well, it's not. It's not. So when you shut down everyone else, when you think that you've you've quelled that dissent, I assure you, you haven't because the mobs will come for you. They always do. They always do. It's that old saying. Well, when they came for the Catholics, I didn't care. I wasn't Catholic. When they came for the Baptists, I didn't care because I wasn't Baptist. You know, when they came for me, there was no one left. So this is why corporations, they either jump on board with this agenda because they think it's some PR campaign or whatever. But in reality, they have no idea. They're, they're, they either knowingly jump on board with it and they know historically what they're doing and they're that suicidal or they don't know it and they jump on board with it anyway. And it becomes it becomes their downfall. Uh, honestly, I this this whole the Bezos thing is actually it's kind of funny that they're they're doing this because how many of those protesters actually ordered something from Amazon? Let alone the fact that we, we talked about earlier that they were Amazon was supporting these groups and whatnot. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just stupid. You, you guys are protesting because he's rich. You're Marxists, and you're 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 going after the wealthy to try to redistribute wealth. I mean, that that's the bottom line on this. And I don't know. It, it's it's stupid. It's silly. It, we leave the guy alone. Seriously. You don't like his business. Don't do business with him. Simple as that. Jumping down to Oklahoma. All right. So what's the deal with your state? There's a new Medicaid bill that's being voted on this coming week. So or is that today? Is that today? I, I don't know. OK, so what what's the deal with Oklahoma? If this passes, If this Medicaid deal passes, you guys will be the first state in U.S. history to have something like this pass. So this is a significant moment. So what exactly is going on with the Medicaid bill? Okay, so the I believe the the date is tomorrow um, or today, if you're listening to this tomorrow. Yeah, fun time traveling. Um, So this is Bill 802. And basically... What it's doing is increasing the the income bracket for uh, Medicare or excuse me, Medicaid. So they're wanting to increase it by 33 percent. Individuals currently poverty level is twelve thousand four hundred and ninety. What they're increasing it to is seventeen thousand two hundred and thirty six. Right. And I mean, look, granted, the numbers, I mean, they make sense in in terms of um, you can't really live on twelve thousand dollars. Seventeen is really pushing it, and this, uh, especially in this area uh, as well. So I, I get where they're coming from. However, we don't have the money. Where, where is this going to come from? You. That's who it's going to come from. They're going to increase taxes. So no, I, I don't. 
I don't like this. This is this isn't great. I, I don't want to be. I don't want to push for these um, Medicare for all. You know all that nonsense. Whatever they're wanting to do. Let's go back to regulating. You know, like pharmaceutical companies or hospitals. Which you know, I don't like regulation. But if we did something there and curb the expenses that they're they're charging huge amounts of money for, and insurance companies not paying the due they say they're going to pay. Uh, you know, as part of your uh, part of your agreement, maybe, maybe we wouldn't need Medicaid. But yeah, I th- I'd just like to point out your um, your House Minority Leader Emily Virgin. She said we simply can't afford not to. Yeah, uh, thanks AOC wannabe. You know, just just <laughs> just do it. Yeah. Well, you mm-hmm. just do. You just do. Yeah. Bruce. You just do. You just do. That, that's what yeah. you do. But no, your um your governor. Right. Your, your governor seems pretty adamant about it, uh, it, about vetoing it, by the way, which he vetoed it last month already. His actual quote was the money doesn't just appear. He vetoed it last month. And he's right about that, by the way, mm-hmm. because you don't just pay for it. Right. It's not. Well, you just do because <laughs> money doesn't grow on trees. So that's the old saying. But uh, like I said, he vetoed it last month. This is coming out of Politico and we know which way they lean anyway. Uh, he vetoed yeah. a bill that would have helped partially pay for the state's share of Medicaid expansion costs by boosting a fee on the hospitals. Uh, Stitt said the levy wouldn't provide a reliable long-term funding stream for the coverage program. So, I mean, they're just looking for a, a quick injection here for, for Medicaid? Is that all this is? Or are they looking to set the precedent and then expand it long term later? Is that is that what they're trying to do? It looks like they're wanting to set the precedent because there is no um, mechanism in there to provide f- uh, the finances for this, right? The governor has come out and said, our, our state agencies will experience deep cuts. The ballot doesn't offer any mechanism to pay for it. And the, the, the governor doesn't support it. This was the uh, spokeswoman for him. So it's an unfunded mandate. Honestly, I totally against government getting involved with your medical stuff, right? With the quote unquote Affordable Care Act, it made it far more unaffordable. Like I know many people that can't afford healthcare now. It, it used to be, I mean, back when I worked as a teenager, right? And when I first got a job, the coverage was really good, right? I mean, yeah. And the pay was pretty decent too. Now to get that same kind of coverage, I would have no paycheck. My entire paycheck would be going towards that. That's and even if you can get the same coverage, you can't even get the same coverage now. You know, so what the government has done has exactly what they said it would do. And I'm not saying what they were saying to the American public. Who The guy that wrote it, the head guy came in front of a crowd and announced that yeah, no, this isn't a Trojan horse. It's right there. And basically the the intention of this was, I don't have the audio clip for that, but basically the intention was it's to destroy our medical system to try and say, well, we have to do a, a universal health care because obviously, you know, we, this one didn't go far enough and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, no, I, I no, just get out of it completely. Government buzz off. Don't mandate a private organization or private company's uh, product. That's what frustrates me the most in all of this. They're mandating you buy something that a private uh, organization provides. And that's not how this works. Sorry. You know, you mentioned there about a health insurance plan you had when you were younger. When I started working, I had a part-time job, right? I had a part-time job, of course, because I was still in school. So I had had a part-time job. And when I had that part-time job, I was given the option to take health benefits, health insurance as a part-timer, right? As a part-timer. 
and it was good coverage for part time. Get this right. This is what I had. Now, this is like 20 years ago. So bear with the time period. I had I was a part time employee. Okay, listen to this. I had 80 20 coverage as a part time employee, 80 20 coverage. I had a hundred dollar deductible. That was it. Okay. (laughs) A hundred dollars. Exactly. A hundred dollar deductible. And my copay was $10. Good luck with any of that these days. It's non-existent. It's non-existent. This is how much they've wrecked the insurance industry. So, I mean, an 80-20, right, in the United States, for those that are not listening in the United States, 80-20 is probably the best you're going to be able to do unless you're a senator. So that's that's probably the best you're going to be able to do. And the last company I worked for in, in the U.S., I mean, we had... We had really good stuff. Of course, we were we were with United Health. We had some fantastic coverage, and it was it was eighty twenty still. But I had no deductible, and it was I think it was literally I think all I paid was somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, what was it? Uh, it was like sixty two dollars a month or something like that. That that was all. I mean that that was it. So and I had no deductible, nor did I have any copay. So I, I thought that was you know I, I couldn't really argue too much. But speaking of that. Speaking of United Health, the Fed is on a bonds buying spree, aren't they? Yes. They are now out buying bonds of businesses. They're buying biz- they're buying business bonds including AT and companies like AT&T, United Health, and Walmart. So they're buying up bonds that are issued by companies. So not only are they buying up federal bonds, national sovereign bonds. They're buying up municipal bonds as well. They're buying state bonds. Now they're buying business bonds. Is there anything they're not buying up? We should also point out that Walmart was not shut down during the, the COVID thing. Neither was at and Or United Health. Or United Health. Yeah, exactly. These were not shut down because of the pandemic. Why are they getting money? Walmart's already subsidized to begin with. And I'm sure at and is subsidized to some degree because... You know, they have a lot of third a, party stuff, a lot of third party yeah, operations. Exactly. So why why are they? No, this is this is the government again. Well, I mean, you could argue this, this is a is private fascist. company. They're, they're going to a private a, company. Yeah, right. You could argue this is fascism. They're going towards a, you know, the government running businesses and whatnot. If they're paying off your debts, right, or buying up your debts. I don't know. I don't know what, what kind of authority this is going to have over over the companies. Well, here's the, here's the thing. You know, central banks come in and they, they do this. They'll build they'll build companies uh, or excuse me, they'll build societies up and then they'll shear it down and then they'll build it up and they'll shear it down. And on the downswing, they'll buy everything up for pennies on the dollar. This is what banks do. This is what central bankers do. This is what international bankers do. They're notorious for this throughout history. And so in the end, it's all about the central banks. OK, in the end, it's all about that. You want to know why you got mobs in the streets? You want to know why you got failing businesses? These guys. So this program is set to expire on September 30th. So they're going to continue the bond purchases for at least another uh, two and a half, three months. And then on top of that, they've expanded their balance sheets until I think it's coming up, isn't it? That's coming up. They've expanded their balance sheets until July. Is it was it the end of July or was it the first part of July? I believe it was mid-July. I want to say it was like around the 15th or so. Right. For some reason. Okay. Yeah. Let's talk about a couple down it. We talked earlier about uh, about protesters, right? You know, the the wonderful mm-hmm. the wonderful people of Chaz, you know, carrying guns and things like that. Well, you know, there's a couple that had some protesters gather outside of their home uh, in St. Louis, right? So they draw they draw guns, right? He's standing out there with an AR, it looks like. And of course, she's got a looks like she's got a nine millimeter in her hand. But they're standing outside their mansion 
with the guns pointed at protesters. Now, the protesters in St. Louis, they're on their way. The group of, of protesters, they're on their way down to the mayor's house to demand the mayor's resignation. And the people that are standing out there that are guarding their house, they're out there protecting the, because we know what these mobs do. They pass a, a fancy residence. They pass a business. What do they do? They burn it down. So if you've got people that are passing by your house, an angry mob passing by your house, and they're unchecked, and it's sanctioned by the city leaders, and they come down through there talking about how they're going to burn down the rich, what are you going to do? You going to stand out there and defend your home? Or are you just going to let them burn your house down while you're inside of it? So, I, I mean, I don't blame these people, do you? No. To give a little bit more detail on this, the protesters were actually threatening the couple as well, which is why they, they got the weapons. And the protesters were on private property. There was no public sidewalks or anything at, like that in the area. And police are also saying that there are no charges being brought against the, the couple as they were being assaulted verbally and you know, everything was legal uh, as far as that's concerned. They're, of course, they're investigating. Oh, and by the way, did you I don't know if you caught this in the, in the article. This is out of the AP. They had to know that the the couple were being intimidated. It was just, OK, so this is what the police says, right? It says that police said they were inve still investigating, but labeled it a case of trespassing and assault by intimidation against the couple by protesters in the racially diverse crowd. Oh, please. Interesting that um, the AP is is pointing out that it's a white couple and they're holding guns, holding, uh, uh, you know, pointing them at protesters who are both assaulting them by by intimidation and trespassing. But they list the protesters, quote unquote, as racially diverse. Uh huh. Yeah. See how they're spinning that. Ah, that's fun. I'd expect nothing less. Rashim Aldridge, the, the rep, state rep, was speaking out against the protesters is that what the deal is this is as a leader you don't do that kind of, uh stuff like that it's only right that we visit her at her home are they are they speaking is that directed towards i think she's speaking of the mayor i i believe okay this is okay this is why they're saying one of the reasons they're saying that she's uh they want a resignation she posts a video on on facebook live where she read out all the names of the people want, that were wanting to defund the police. And then, of course, the video was later removed and she apologized for causing any uh, distress as that wasn't the intent. The names and letters are public records. And that's what the rep, Rasheen Aldridge, was saying. As a leader, you don't do that kind of thing. Uh, and then she was saying on a megaphone that we should visit her at her home. And the two people lived on the street of the mayor and were concerned about the, the protesters and their safety. Anyway, that's that's all I got there. You know, I just love these people. They're all hypocrites, aren't they? They they jump on board with whatever suits their agenda. Anyway, thank us all we got time for today. Uh, we're going to have to jump out of here. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. Those of you who have not and you would like to, please do give us a follow over on the platform of Parlor. There's a lot of people that have been jumping over there in the last couple of days. Representative Thomas Massey from Kentucky, you know, the only guy that stood up for the Constitution. You know that guy? Yeah. He jumped over on Parlor a couple of days ago. Uh, so he's there now. Also, the First Lady Melania Trump, she has now joined as of a couple of hours ago. And I think people are probably anticipating Trump at some point. If she has jumped over there, I would assume that he's not far behind. I bet you he's waiting till July 4th, though, just to just to just to spite <laughs> just to spite the uh, the Twitter mobs. 
Anyway, but do give us a follow over there. We would appreciate all of your feedback, all of your comments, your likes, your echoes, your upvotes, everything. And we love getting feedback from uh, from you as the listener over there. So please do. If you're looking to uh, jump social media platforms, you're welcome to give us a follow over there. You can follow me at Jay Anderson 3 You can also follow Marty at Marty Foster. Thank you for your time today, Bruce. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you and we love freedom and independence. And together we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.